and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today I'll be talking about The Bodyguard by Catherine Center. We are back to our previously scheduled program where I talk about one book each episode and today I'll be talking about my July book of the month pick, The Bodyguard. I'm telling you right now, this book was amazing. This was absolutely the best romance novel I have read all year. That's right. It is the best I've read all year. I'm making that statement right now. It was so good and I'm so excited to talk about it. Before we get into it, a few things. First of all, I must issue a spoiler warning. If you do not want The Bodyguard by Catherine Center to be spoiled, stop here. Go read the book. I absolutely would recommend it. I'm telling you, everybody needs to read it. If it doesn't get hyped up, I'll be so sad. I will be its number one fan, everybody. It was fabulous. And then also, so yeah, this is going to get spoilery. So if you don't want that, please stop. Also, I would like to issue some trigger warnings. First of all, there is descriptions of abuse of the main character's mom kind of in flashbacks, just so you know. And then if trigger warnings are something that you pay attention to and that you need to know about, I would recommend looking up trigger warnings for this book. There's something that happens at the end that I don't want to give a warning for because it would absolutely spoil the ending of this book. And while I will be doing that later, I don't want to do that right now. So if that is something that is very important to you, I would recommend looking up triggers. The main character's mom also was an alcoholic, but she is dead before the first page of the book. But the main character talks about that a little bit. I guess let's get into it. Let's get into the plot summary. So the main character, Hannah, is an executive protection agent, i.e. a bodyguard. And she works for this company in Houston, and she typically is protecting like businessmen, oil people, things like that. But in this book, she ends up being a bodyguard for world-famous actor Jack Stapleton. And they end up in a fake dating situation because his mom is sick, she has cancer, and he is coming home for the first time in many years. And he has a stalker after him, a corgi breeding, sweater knitting, 50-year-old stalker. So basically, this book opens with um, Hannah coming home from her mom's funeral. They weren't necessarily close because of the fact that her mom was an alcoholic and her mom, after her dad left when she was seven or eight, her mom has a string of these horrible boyfriends. And because of that, Hannah is kind of on this like escape mentality. Like she always wants to escape. But when her mom is dying, she goes back. She's like spends time with her. And then at the beginning, she has now passed. And her mom made her promise before she died that she would take a vacation. Hannah's job as a bodyguard really does take her all over the world, which is what she loves. She loves to run, basically. Like, she needs to get out. She needs to be doing things. She always needs to be working. She always needs to be moving. And her mom makes her promise to take a vacation. So after the funeral, she goes online, looks up cheap tickets, and ends up buying two tickets to go to Toledo, Ohio for Valentine's Day. Now, I have some friends from Toledo, so I'm not going to say anything negative about it, but that's not necessarily where you would go for a vacation. But anyway, so she has this boyfriend at the beginning of the book named Robbie. He's also an executive protection agent at the company that 
she works for. So the next day after she wakes up, she's supposed to be taking a week off um, bereavement leave. But like I said, she does not want to do that. So she goes into the office and basically overhears a conversation between her boyfriend and her boss. And her boss ends up taking her off of the, she's supposed to go to Madrid. He ends up taking her off the assignment and puts her best friend Taylor on it and to go with Robbie. And then she walks outside with Robbie and he breaks up with her. He's like, you don't love me and you're a horrible kisser. You're a bad kisser. And she's like, you're breaking up with me the day after my mother's funeral. And he's like, I guess I am. And so now she's heartbroken and in grief and she's not allowed to work. Horrible situation. So basically then it's a month later and Jack Stapleton, the main guy character, he is a world famous um, actor, kind of think like a mix between Chris Evans and like um, Ryan Gosling maybe because he's done like a bunch of rom-coms and romance movies, but he's also now very famous for this action movie, this role of the destroyer. So kind of mash them together in your mind. And he, his brother died in some sort of car accident, I think about two years previously. And since then, he has been off the grid living in Montana. And his mom now, like I said, has cancer and is getting surgery. And so he's going home for that. But because he is now going back to Houston, which is where this corgi breeding stalker lives, his team wants to get him some security. He also, since his brother died, has not done any movies, but this is an issue because he is under contract for three movies in the, the Destroyer franchise and has only done one. So there's kind of that sort of like on the back burner that he doesn't like to act anymore. He's definitely still grieving and dealing with this stuff. And the death of his brother drove a wedge between him his older brother, Hank, and then also his parents, kind of. This is his first time really going home since any of this happened. So basically, Hannah does not want to take this job. She's assigned to be the primary to be his specific bodyguard. And she shows up and he thinks he's that she's the maid. But then she flips him over his shoulder and he's like, you know what, fine, I can work with this. But it turns out that she's going to have to pose as his fake girlfriend, which she finds ridiculous and so does Robbie because... As far as we all know, his real girlfriend is Kennedy Monroe, who's like this famous movie star model who like claimed to be Marilyn Monroe's granddaughter, which turned out to be false. But anyways, so Robbie's like, he'll never believe it. And Glenn, the boss, is like, I don't care. You need to do this because her and Robbie are competing to open a new office in London and she wants that job. So she reluctantly is like, fine, I'll play the fake girlfriend. And so... Basically, they end up like going to the surgery, whatever. And then the mom says like basically guilts them into living on the ranch for four weeks until Thanksgiving, kind of like as she's recuperating because she says like, you don't need to stay up to when my radiation happens, but just stay as I'm getting better. And the two of you need to stay at the ranch. So there's some other stuff that goes on. Like they have these conversations, whatever. Hank and Jack do not get along. They fight a lot. It's kind of messy. And then Hannah finds out that Taylor and Robbie are now dating. They hooked up in Madrid and she's upset. She's like, how could you do this to me, Taylor? You're my best friend. And then Taylor says all this mean stuff like, I'm going to last with him. Like you didn't love him like this and that and the other. And this is your whole issue. Like we were never best friends. We were work friends. Now, there is absolutely a difference between best friends and work friends. And I'm now making a note that I should talk about this later on because I have things to say. So stay tuned for that in the discussion section. 
anyway so as she's there she is like basically as what happens in fake dating situations especially when you're fake dating a world famous actor she like is falling for him but she's like is he acting or does he like me but there's this like thing that keeps getting repeated throughout the book that she's like average she's ordinary she's not kennedy monroe she's not super super gorgeous not to say she's ugly but she's not like oh my god like model hot like whatever and so she's like he can't there's no way that this is real and robbie keeps getting in her head like lol jokes and then things take a turn for the worst basically in the right after the middle part of the book the stalker like basically what happens is her mom the jack's mom gets dehydrated and they rush her to the hospital because she collapsed and while they're at the hospital these pictures of the two of them she's hugging him to try and like keep him away from the paparazzi getting photos of him but it makes it look like the two of them are making out it gets posted online and now she's getting death threats so in order to remove the situation and keep the threat level lower they reveal to jack's family that she was actually his fake girlfriend actually the bodyguard and she has to leave during this time it's also revealed that jack so previously you find out that jack is afraid of bridges because his him and his brother when the car accident happened they skidded over this black ice and they went over the side of a bridge and his brother ended up drowning so the throughout this whole first part of the book you believe that jack was the one driving but when hannah reveals this and hank's getting mad and they're like arguing about drew and all this different stuff it comes out that drew was the one who was drinking and driving and that jack didn't know that he was drinking until it was too late and that the last thing his brother like asked him was to not tell his family basically what had happened which is why jack let them believe he was driving so actually now the family can get along better but hannah has to leave because if she stays she's putting everybody in danger because she's getting the death threats and the rest of the team is going to be put on the case and like act as real bodyguards and security instead of you know fake girlfriends so she has to leave and she thinks she's never going to see any of them again it's extremely sad i cried oh my god i'll talk about it more later but then she ends up like taylor is now bodyguarding her at her place and it's like super like awkward because taylor's like trying to apologize oh also right before that happens robbie breaks up with taylor so now she thought she was all that but she was not because she got broken up with two but anyways so that happens and then jack ends up facetiming her and inviting her to come to thanksgiving because they catch basically the um stalker the corgi breeding lady and her sister's like i'm taking her back to florida with me we're gonna get her on her meds and she's not gonna bother you anymore so we're like absolutely cool so hannah goes to thanksgiving and before she can go kennedy monroe shows up and she does this whole reality tv show where she like proposes to jack but it cuts off before you see what she's gonna say or what he's gonna say so you're like confused because at this point hannah's like kind of thinks that's real but now that's going on so she's not really sure she shows up kennedy monroe is at thanksgiving so her and jack are like trying to talk but she's there she ends up having too much moonshine and then kennedy like is saying all this mean stuff like you obviously don't want her and jack's like you know it's fake between us and then we're like oh and then she like stands up and she's like seriously who would date hannah over me and she literally asked everybody there and everybody says hannah because she's a beach and so basically then they're like and she leaves and then jack and hannah 
have an intense makeout session, which is interrupted by Jack's dad being like, go put the fire out and make sure Hannah goes to sleep alone because she drank too much so she can't go home. And he asked her out on a date for the next day. So we're like, yay, here we go. So Hannah goes to the date the next day. Jack opens the door, acts like he has never seen her before. And is like, it was fake. I was acting. I didn't like you. I can't believe you believe this. And she is like, in tears so upset she also hurts her foot because she tries to stop the door from closing with her foot but she's wearing like high heels so it makes her foot bloody she gets in the car she's like crying it's horrible and she's like getting ready to go and she's like wait a second i think he was acting i don't think that was real so she pulls up the security feed and lo and behold there's a man with a gun inside we forgot that this was a bodyguard romance we forgot about the suspense part that something bad could happen. Anyway, so she like rushes in. She calls the police. She calls Glenn. Glenn is like, do not go in there. If you go in there, you're knocking London. She's like, I do not care. The man I love is in danger. So she goes in. And then it turns out that this guy's name is Wilbur. And earlier in the book, they're, while they're like going through like all the different like threats that he's gotten, Wilbur has this handle called Wilbur Hates You 321. And he has like previously sent Jack like hate mail. And so it turns out he is the one there and he had was just pretending to be the corgi breeding stalker lady the entire time previously to that. So even though the corgi lady is now in Florida, it doesn't matter because all along it was Wilbur being a copycat. And it's apparently Wilbur's had this accident and then his wife left him and was like, I'm in love with Jack Stapleton. I'm going to go be with him. So he hates Jack. And so this whole time we think he's going to kill Jack or kill Hannah. We don't know. And like... Basically, Jack said all that stuff to send Hannah away. She obviously didn't work because she came back. And then it's revealed that instead, Wilbur's going to kill himself because this is now the um, trigger warning that I didn't issue earlier. But basically, he's like, your punishment is that you have to watch me die. And so now Hannah and Jack are both trying to convince Wilbur to not kill himself. And they're waiting for the police to come and all this different stuff. That Hannah ends up convincing him with this like speech about like her own life and how like things can get better and birdhouses and all this different stuff. It makes more sense when you read the book. I'm just glossing over it here. And then he does not kill himself and the police come and he goes to jail and whatever. And then Hannah and Jack have a do-over date and they do go on that trip to Toledo, but it's heavily implied that they never left the hotel room and enjoyed that hotel room very much so. This turned out to be a clean romance, which I'll talk about a bit later. And then I guess I should have provided that warning at the beginning. Oh, well, too late now. Anyways, and then there's an epilogue that's kind of set like five or so years in the future that kind of takes you through basically what was going on. So basically, Robbie does end up getting the job in London because Glenn was serious about that. Jack does return to acting, but he just does one movie a year and Hannah finally stops running and the two of them like have their home based in Houston and they live over on the ranch at a different house where his parents and his brother are. And she does one big job a year as well, so they can spend this time together. And they're in love, and they get married, and they have children, and everything is perfect and wonderful. And I loved it. Now let's get into the discussion section. First of all, let's talk about why I feel that this is the best romance of the year so far. First of all, actually no, first of all, let's address the no smut. Let's address the fact that there were no sex scenes in this and I still find it to be the best romance that I have read all year. Now, in basically every romance, unless it's like marketed as a Christian romance or a sweet romance or a clean romance, there's at least one sex scene, at least. 
normally there's like 2.5 to 4. If you've read them, you know what I'm talking about in this 0.5. However, I cannot fully explain what I mean. But normally there's at least one. And in this one, by the time that we get to the part where it's revealed that she's the fake girlfriend and she's like leaving, I was like, I actually don't think there's going to be any sex in this book. Like I was pretty sure. And I ended up being right. At But then I was like, well, maybe there'll be something at the very end. We do get a heated makeout scene, but there is just implied behind the door sex at the end of the book. And I ended up not minding. Normally I do like a little steamy scene. I'm not going to lie. It just adds something. There's like some emotion, like there's just something like emotional, like about it. That's like adding intensity and depth to the story. I don't know, like your, their feelings and whatever. I don't know how to explain it to you, but this book like ended up not needing it. And I really ended up not minding at all that it wasn't there. I don't think that adding it would have really added anything to the book other than the fact that it would have had it and that would be a check on the list. I am curious. So this, Catherine Center has written many a romance novel. And this is my first one that I've read. This is her latest one that just came out, like literally maybe like last week or something like that. But I got it early because of Book of the Month. And so uh, she has How to Walk Away, Things You Save in a Fire and Happiness for Beginners. And then The Lost Husband, which I guess was adapted on Netflix, but I haven't seen it. And so like, I'm intrigued if those other ones she's written are also in the same vein. I absolutely would read more of them. Next month, August is my birthday month. I don't celebrate my birthday month, but I'm just saying my birthday's in August. And book of the month, once you have gotten 12 boxes, you become like a superstar member, a BFF. And during your birthday month, you get an add-on. So unless there's some really good August options, she's had two other books be book of the months before. So I might get one of her other books, depending on kind of what happens. So I might be reading more Catherine Center in the near future. So I can let you know later. But this one did not have it. Um, also, the cover is just so gorgeous with all the flowers. Go look up a picture or check out my Instagram to see it. But anyways, so really not having that did not decrease my enjoyment of the book. But back to why I felt this was so good. I will say like, I'm talking so much just to get to this point. But anyways, at the end, there's like an author's note where she basically says that this was the book she wrote during COVID and that she always tries to find a balance between darkness and light in my in her stories. That's like a quote from her in the author's note, basically meaning that while they are romances, there are like heavy topics. And here we do have some heavy topics, but she says for this book, the balance was as much light as possible. And I absolutely believe that because it was just so much fun. Like there were definitely like darker things that happen like you have all this stuff like Jack is having nightmares and really like dealing with the trauma of losing his brother and Hannah is dealing with the trauma and the grief of losing her mom as well as like the hard part of like being broken up with and told that making you think you're not lovable and that like you're also a bad kisser that's a horrible thing to hear from your boyfriend of over a year but anyways so she's so there are like darker parts to the story but there's just so much light and love and happiness. I want to say that like sometimes in a rom-com, the female character comes off as like extremely quirky so that it is more calm, more comedy than just like romance or more serious or something like that. And while I definitely would call this a rom-com and that it was funny, I don't think that Hannah became quirky in order for it to be funny, if that makes sense, which is something I really enjoyed because while I do like quirky leads, um, 
it's always nice for it to be funny, but not have to rely on the main girl character to be quirky, as some other romance books definitely do. So I enjoy that about it. It like also the banter, like the back and forth between Jack and Hannah was just really good. Like Jack found Hannah to be hilarious. I actually, I think this is what it is. So Jack found Hannah to be hilarious and she was not trying to be funny really at all. And that is the sort of humor that I have in that in times when I'm not trying to be funny, that is when people think I'm the funniest. And if I try to be funny and say jokes, they land pretty flat. So that might be why I really enjoyed it and connected with it, with it in that way and that I sort of identify with that sort of humor. But it's just also great seeing the two of them interact. And then also like this one just hit me and made me cry. I think I mentioned that earlier, but I literally cried for like, a good minute there. So basically, as Hannah is like being told that she can no longer pose as the fake girlfriend and she has to leave and she's confessing basically to the family, her and Jack are like telling them everything that's going on and you're getting the reveal about Drew and all this different stuff. I was crying. I wasn't like bawling. Like I couldn't like, like, but like my eyes, they teared up and tears were falling and I was like, this is so sad. And it was also like getting right to the point where I had to put the book down to go to bed for so I could go to bed on time, all this different stuff. But like Hannah's like basically talking to um, Jack's mom, whose name I like can't remember and saying like, saying like how her mom had just passed away recently and how while her mom was never like really a good mom because of all this different stuff being with her and the family at this point and like seeing what a loving family can look like and what a long-lasting relationship can look like because Jack's parents are still happily married and in love it it just like really hit me for some reason and I think I just love this idea of found family and like normally when you talk about found family it's like a group of like troublemaking teens become family and like this different stuff or like whatever but like really that Hannah is finding this family here and finding that she can be loved and that she can love these other people in these ways that are really meaningful and deep just really got to me and then also just the angst of the fact that like she didn't know how Jack felt and she really thought she was saying goodbye forever to this man and she's like having this realization at this point, like basically right before that, Robbie pulls her aside and is like, ha ha ha, you're going to leave and I'm taking over and you can't think this man really loves you, like you're not lovable, all this different stuff. And she's having this realization. Oh no, I lied. Right before that, Robbie is like, we should, now that you're leaving this, date me again. I like broke up with Taylor. I realized that I never cared about her. I'm actually in love with you. And she's like, lol jokes and it's like not gonna get back together with him and all this different stuff and she realizes that like she that he was right she never really did love him and that in this one month she found out what love actually was being with jack and like all this different stuff and it was just so right and it's just so touching so really the middle of the book really did it for me which is funny because i feel like normally when people like really like a book they love the beginning the end and the middle is something that normally like falls flat for people but like the middle really, really did it for me. I did enjoy the end as well, but like the emotional middle part was what got me. And like, I literally at this point where I'm crying, I'm like, this is going to be my favorite romance of the year. I decided it then and I still had just under 100 pages to go, maybe like 80 pages. And the last 80 pages is basically Thanksgiving and then the failed date with the like attempted kidnapping and murder. 
And so I guess we could talk about that a little bit. So I then read that last part, those last 80 pages while I was at work. I had no work to do. I was at home. So I read it and I did that yesterday. And I don't think I should have done it like that. I should have waited for like a night when it was like I could just like fully sink into it versus like moving my mouse and like checking my email and things like that. But I didn't do that. So I think the same thing kind of with like the hating game where like I read the first part on the plane and it really hit me. And then I read the second part not on the plane and it didn't hit me as much. It was kind of like that. And maybe just like the emotional height was in the middle like when I felt it. But I don't know. However, I did enjoy the plot twist at the end. Because I was actually wondering as I was reading this, I was like, well, this is not a romantic suspense or a romantic, yeah, romantic suspense novel. Like in a romantic suspense novel, you know, at the end, somebody's getting kidnapped or a fight, like shootouts, like something dangerous is going to happen and they're going to have to save one another. This was not a romantic suspense novel. However, it was built on the stereotype of the bodyguard trope. And so like you're wondering the entire time, like, is she actually going to have to protect him? Is he actually in any danger? Because this is like mostly just been fun. But he was. And it was Wilbur. It was Wilbur. Who, when he's introduced as Wilbur and she reads it and she's like, read, says the screen name to him. You like are brought back to the beginning of the book. So actually, I will say this is a good um, planting the seed sort of at the beginning vibe. However, at the same time. It so it doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere, but at the same time, it's like, oh, a shock. But because like this whole time you've been thinking that it's the Corgi lady, but it's actually Wilbur. And so, and then I also enjoyed the fact that like, while he's sort of a villain, it also like, not necessarily gives him a second chance, but shows him that when he has this like chance and realizes that people care about him and that he should not do bad things, he really does turn his life around. So good for Wilbur. And then also the other big plot twist was that Drew was driving the car and that was super emotional. I feel like I've talked about that a lot, but I absolutely did not see that coming. I was totally convinced Jack was driving the car the entire time. And that really does flip the switch and makes you think about things different. Also things about flipping the switch. Let's talk about the bodyguard trope and flipping gender norms. Normally a bodyguard, you think a strong, tall, muscular man and Jack even says that to Hannah because she's like 5'5 five five and like a smaller lady. He's like, how can you be a bodyguard? That's not, you don't look like a bodyguard. And then she flips him over her shoulder and he's like, I'm sold, you're hired. And so like, I was also a little skeptical because I was like, I've read plenty of bodyguard stories and I eat them up. I love, I love a bodyguard story. I love when you fall in love with your bodyguard, except for in the movie slash musical, The Bodyguard, which I saw in Florida as a musical, and it's all Whitney Houston songs, and um, the women in front of us in the theater were singing along to all the songs, and my grandma got us tickets and then proceeded to not go see it, so instead I just had to go see The Bodyguard without her, and I did not want to see The Bodyguard, and it was like, whatever. Anyways, generally, I like The Bodyguard trope. I enjoy it so much but I've only ever read it I think when the man is the bodyguard and the woman is the one that he's protecting and I've read it in multiple different sorts of scenarios of like why the woman needs to be about needs a bodyguard so this was really fun in that it flipped that and that the woman was the bodyguard it's also interesting because she doesn't really like at the end she like goes to save him but it turns out he was never actually in danger because Wilbur was always just going to kill himself 
However, kind of fun. I mean, not the the kidnapping and the killing yourself part, but just like the the flipping the gender norms, flipping the script, and having Hannah be the bodyguard, and she is the t- titular bodyguard in the title, the bodyguard. So, anyways, that was really fun, and I enjoyed that a lot. And then finally, I just want to talk about the best friends versus works friends thing that I started to go on a tangent in the discuss in the plot summary, but decided to save for this discussion section. So basically, first, let's define the difference between best friends and work friends. To me, I always had a lot of school friends back when I was in high school and even in college as well. I had some school friends and then I had, you know, regular friends and best friends and whatever. So the difference between a work friend slash school friend and a best friend to me is our, is context. Okay. Are you seeing people out of context? Your work friend. Do you see them? Do you make plans with them outside of work? I really think that's what it comes down to. Do you see your work friend outside of work plans? So like if everybody in the office is going to happy hour, you're still work friends. But if you're like, hey, let's go get dinner or hey, let's go see a movie or do this other thing together, you are now regular friends and no longer work friends. So basically when Hannah and Taylor are having this fight and Taylor calls, says like, you don't know the difference between work friends and best friends. I think Taylor doesn't know the difference between work friends and best friends. Now I will say that Hannah probably was not the best friend in the entire world. However, I wonder if I can find it, but like later Taylor comes by and she like returns shoes and a cake pan and like something else. And I'm like, I don't think you lend shoes in a cake pan just to your work friend. And then later, like when they're fighting, I'm going to find it. I'm going to pause this so I can find it. Okay, I found it. So basically, like, as they're talking about, like, this before she says, like, the best friend versus work friend thing. Basically, okay, so the first thing is that Hannah's saying, like, you were the one I called over and over again crying about, like, my dead mom and my broken heart. And then she says, like, you just forfeited our entire friendship. Talking about movie night, Margarita Friday, goofy gift exchange, sleepovers, Valentine's Day, fantasy road trip, hugs, like, um, borrowing jeans, book recommendations, birthday cards, late night tacos, and they are also next door neighbors. And then at the end of all of that, like a page and a half later, Taylor says, like, I was never your best friend. I was your work friend. And the fact that you don't know the difference, that's your whole problem right there. Now, I would argue now that if you're having Valentine's Day and Margarita Friday and sleepovers, if you have a sleepover with anyone, you're no longer work friends. You've immediately become real friends. And Hannah has a lot of things, and I will say she probably was not a good friend, but I do not think the two of them were only work friends, and that is all I have to say on that. So that was The Bodyguard by Catherine Center. It's only a 300-page book, so you can fly right through it, everybody. You need to go pick it up. I'm telling you right now, you will not regret it. It is the best romance book I've read so far this year, and I think it's going to be hard to beat. Now, there's still a few months left in the year, so I don't know. I'm hopeful there'll be some other really good romances. However, This one is absolutely going to be on my best books list for the year. No doubt about it. So with that, next week, I think you'll be hearing the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by I don't know who. I think that's what I'm going to read next. I haven't started reading a book, but I think that's what's going to be next. Um, My brother lent it to me. He gave it five stars. He really liked it a lot. I'm interested to see because... I've not read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, but the titles are too similar. 
there's seven, and there's Evelyn H's. And so I'm going to do some research into that before um, recording the episode to see kind of like if anybody copied anybody, kind of what the deal with that is. But that is a mystery novel where you're trying to figure out which guest killed Evelyn Hardcastle and you're in a different person's body every day. So I'm interested and intrigued to see kind of how that is. I don't think I've read any. I've read cozy mystery, but not any like mystery or thrillers yet this year. So I'm interested to see kind of what's going on with that. Now, let's see what else. Okay, please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. It would really help me a lot. It'll help other people find it, and I would love you forever. And if you review my podcast and I see it, I will give you a shout out on here. Please do that so much. It would mean so much to me. Also, please follow me on Instagram at I read a book once blog. While you're there, feel free to DM me your thoughts, feelings, opinions, questions, concerns, any of those things about this episode, this podcast, or this book. And I will get back to you whenever I see it. It does not notify me, so hopefully I will just check and I will see it soon. And if you do not want to do that, you could also email me at I read a book once blog at gmail.com. Email me and I will see it that way as well. So this was I read a book once. My name was Emma. And I'll catch you guys next time.